Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to World at War Comics. I have an incredible uh, show for you today. Two amazing legends within the industry. We have Mr. Peter Tomasi and Mr. Francis Manipal. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining today. I'm so excited to talk to you. I was just mentioning the impact that both of you have had on my love for comics. I guarantee a lot will be listening in that have had that uh, same experience of both of you. But thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, our Absolutely. pleasure, man. Yeah. So I'd like to kind of just jump right in and talk about Ghost Machine. This entire, like, it's almost like a Hall of Fame of a group that has been brought together. Um, can you kind of talk about how both of you have been brought in as part of this, uh, this almost like startup, creator-owned, everything is about the creators. Can you kind of talk about that, how that all came together and when that process started for both of you? Um, it started a couple, a little while back. It's just started talking about it a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it just sort of got more traction as time went on. And, uh, eventually it was just a question of, uh, you know, Jeff really sort of, you know, being the, the circus leader on this and then finally saying, yeah, let's, uh, you know, let's, 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 uh, let's just fire the starting gun and, and, and get rolling on this. And, you know, do you want to be a part of it? And it's like, you know, who wouldn't want to be like you said, it's, you know, a Hall of Fame bunch of guys. And it's like been wanting to work with Francis on a like a, on a on a real book. We did we did. A, we only did one book, you know, one issue. So to be able to work with Francis on a regular basis and, uh, you know, on something that we both created is is a blast. So really a lot of fun. So a lot, a lot of great people and a great company. So, yep. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Pete and I have, have kept in touch for, for a long time. Right. And obviously I worked with Jeff on, on Superboy and The Flash. So we kind of have that history. Uh, but over the years, you know, everyone's career kind of went in different directions, but we've all stayed in touch, right? And I think that's been one of the greater touch points of how this thing formed is that, you know, I don't think this would work if we didn't like each other, <laughs> you know? And I think a, a lot of that has to do with, with the the friendship and wanting to work together because I always find that my my best collaborators tend to be people who I get along with on a normal human level, you know, not just creatively, right? Just because, you know, when you're making comic books, it's such a, a close-knit process, right? That you you have to get along. Otherwise, there's no synchronicity in the work. And I think that's what's what's been really great about this is that when we had a chance to meet, everybody just surprisingly meshed so well all the different personalities and and somehow it it works you know all the different spices somehow works in, a, in a, this delicious flavor i guess that's incredible you know the, the first title i believe you both are working on together at ghost machine is going to be rockefellers um can you kind of talk about where that story began like how far in advance um have you had this idea and how long have you been working on it? I know, um, I believe issue one is coming in March, April timeframe, if I'm not mistaken. Can you kind of talk oh. about, oh, go ahead, please, Peter. Oh, no, I was going to say that the issue is probably going to be a little bit further back than that. Okay, but, sorry. Um, yeah. oh, no, that's okay. Um, think Things are fluid. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah there's are... a couple of waves, right? So there's there's the first wave in April and then in, in the Q4, to, to sound all businessy, <laughs> is, <laughs> is when that's a second wave is going to come. So there's a lot of us and we want to make sure that, you know, I, I think Jeff has said this in the past is that, you know, it's more than just having creative control. It's also having control of your schedule. And we're, we're in this for the long haul. And the idea is that 
once the books are out, these are monthly books, right? So we're trying to give ourselves a lot of runway so that once we're going, you're not going to wonder whether one month it's on the stance and the next month it's not. Once once we're off to the races, you're you're going to see us every month. So. Right. Yep, which is key. We wanted the we wanted the readers, we wanted the retailers to just really get a get that sense that there's going to be no gaps. That like when when Francis and I hit the ground running, you know, every month, you know, we're hoping we're look, we're hoping for at least a year, year and a half, if not yeah. more, to be just always on the stands every month. So, um, you know, it's it's one of those things, and it's a concept that, you know, um, just a basic concept that we came up with early on, and. Uh, through some long, long calls and um, long distance calls, just and then a couple <laughs> meetings, obviously, then in New York um, during the New York Comic Con, we just were able to really put a lot of uh, a lot of flesh on the bones of the of yeah. the spine thing and just uh, come up with uh, really come up with great characters first that populate the the concept and and from there it just starts to uh, inform the whole story and uh, it's been a you know, watching then Francis bring these characters to life, um, which comes Ghost Machine, which comes out in I guess like a a week. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. believe uh, next week. Yeah, it'll be. Uh, I think readers will be really happy with uh, you know our stories, and I think everybody's the, the book itself is great. So, and but Rockefellers is a is a pure joy. I mean, we just yeah. we have so much fun. We talk about it. So, and and you know, the secret. You know, I'm going to be uh, heading up to Toronto to do some signings yeah. with with Francis. But uh, we are our the main objective there is to definitely talk a lot of Rockefeller. So uh, Francis has, has, has prepped a whiteboard, I'm sure. And we're <laughs> it's right there. I don't know if you can see that. I got to oh, erase yeah, there, all yeah. that stuff. There, yeah. there. There's another one on the floor, too. So <laughs> awesome, we're, awesome. we're ready to we're ready to rock. Yeah. So we're uh, we're really just, you know, pure storytellers on this. We are uh, Butch and Sundance and. uh okay uh bernstein and woodward and <laughs> we're uh we're gonna be uh working together really hard to to bring a great a great uh great book out there for everybody why well, i love it. i mean the little bit that we know i mean there's a little bit um in the the ash can that we got at new york comic-con right the little bit we know right it, it follows a dysfunctional family from the future that needs to go to the past am i right on track about that yeah, yeah. I mean, it's essentially this this family that's on the brink of falling apart, and they're forced to escape to the past slash our present in order to like not die, right? And somehow this this world that we're in gives them the ability to come together, right? And and I think you know when you think of of teams like Fantastic Four or X Men, a lot of times. When, when they're in their day-to-day, -day, there's something about it that feels like it's on the brink of, of disaster and that this family unit is about to end. And somehow, when you see them face adversities, that's when the family unit begins to come together, right? Because when adversity arrives, that's when that's either the the nail on the coffin and that it's over, or this is when everybody steps up and finds that there's there's an inner working within themselves that that they can't survive without each other. Right. You know? yeah. And, you know, when they come to the present, they face a lot of challenges that is is very challenging to a family that comes from the future. You know, they're used to certain things in their lifestyle that we don't have. You know, it's it, it's like imagine if your kids went to 1990 and you told them there was no such thing as the Internet or the phone. Right. 
and a slight change like that changes the the dynamics of everything and it's it's been a lot of fun figuring out how this family is going to function in in our timeline so i took my kids to lima peru because we have some friends down there and there wasn't a starbucks so i, I think they've already kind mm. of experienced a little bit of that of being in another environment where something that they're used to doesn't exist right and it's something that simple but i mean that's that's crazy. And you're right. I mean, to be in the future and to come back and not have some of that technology specifically that makes your day-to-day, I think, operate um, would be a, a quite a shocker, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we'll really put the characters through the ringer. And there's uh, definitely some heavy drama around them, but it's also a lot of levity and uh, humor and emotion, all just, it's, it's, it's all life, all all condensed in this in this wonderful group of characters. So we're really we're really pretty psyched. And the that ten pager that's coming out on next week, I think will be really. I think people will really dig it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because like what what I love about working on this book is that you know when P and I were were talking about what we're gonna do at, at Ghost Machine, um, you know, obviously you you take into account. Pete's back catalog and, and my back catalog. And on top of that, combining the things that are really important to us, right? And, and right now, you know, um, being a father, both of us are fathers, family is, is extremely important to us. And to us, it made a lot of sense to kind of tell stories that are relatable from across the board, you know? And, and what's kind of funny is, and, and I thought this was very telling of, of the book, when, when we came up with the name and it had a different title before and, you know, Jeff Francis says, you know, up, Francis came up with the name. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it was actually a throwaway, right? So the idea was that Jeff was, was suggesting that, you know, we come up with a, with a title that is evocative, right? You know, when you think of, of families like the Flintstones, right? You kind of already get the idea, right? And, you know, like even like the Sopranos, you, you get the idea the and Jetsons. the Jetsons. Exactly. And I, I think I just said, I don't know. Do, do you mean something silly like the Rocket Fellers? <laughs> and we just started laughing. We kept laughing yeah. and laughing for like, I don't even know, like 10 minutes. And we're just smiling like ear to ear. And then we're like, oh, crap. I, I think that's the title now, isn't it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> And it, it wasn't, we were supposed to like step back and kind of consider things, but you know, it was something that was just so off the cuff. And I think that's very indicative of, of our work relationship because sometimes when, when I'm people, when around, around people that I don't feel fully comfortable with, whenever I think an idea sounds stupid, I, I won't say it, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it back. Right. And in this case, cause I felt pretty comfortable about sounding stupid around them. <laughs> I, I was free to, to say this, this, this thing that ended up being the title so i'm i'm glad that uh that it's an environment that felt very comfortable and welcoming to ridiculous ideas we're glad we can, we're glad to let you be stupid for a second there. <laughs> somebody's got to put that hat on you know and I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to do it <laughs> i love it so next week then we'll get our first taste of rocket fillers then yeah yeah 10 page, ghost machine yep yep 10 pager uh of a really beautiful jam book of a, of a whole bunch of us. Um, well, the whole company. And uh, I mean, yeah, Francis, the Rockefeller stuff, 
stuff that he did and the color and just oh my god it's it's just beautiful so it's it's really really great and it's uh really proud to have the that first that first salvo be so good i, I think it's really and it's a great table setter that's what i love about the book with all the stories it's a great it's a great first issue book for the company because it it, it gives the readers and the retailers um just a, a real good sense of what this company is about what kind of what kind of books we're going to put out initially and uh really sort of what our uh you know what our purpose you know in getting all together is and it's uh for a price point and the page count i think and the quality is just is really really great so i think uh I think it's going to do really well. And I think people are going to really enjoy it. Yeah. I think that approach to a new universe like that or a new world, I think is really important as a reader too, because there are so many different stories that are taking place within ghost machine. Um, you have the unnamed, which has several different titles. If I'm not mistaken, Rockefeller's is its own universe that's being created outside of the unnamed. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's the, the the cool thing about it is because we can do whatever we really want, you know, there, there could be there. And we've even talked about this. There, there could be a point where there's some intersection, weird intersections. So it's a, uh, it's very fluid. It's very malleable. And it's uh and as long as, you know, as long as a story or a character makes it feel like it makes sense to do that intersection interaction, then, you know, we're all, everybody's been said, Hey, swing for the fences, go for it, you know? So it's, uh, it's really, uh, it's going to be, a uh, a really cool next couple of years. We've got a lot of just great ideas percolating. So. You know, it's spoiler alert in, in the short story. Somebody else that appears in our story. <laughs> I love um, it. Yeah, no. So we're, we're uh, the, the Rockefeller's <laughs> is part of the, the family Odyssey line of books. Right. And what, what we've done as a company is we've chosen specific genres, right? So that way, when when new readers are coming in, it's a lot easier for them to understand where to jump into, right? So we we have the you know we have the the sci-fi, we have the, the action, and we have like the family stuff, and we have the horror stuff. So a lot of it is is really making the the stories and, and the titles be much easier of an access point to to brand new readers who are you know fans of specific genres right and we're hoping that you know through the quality of, of some of the books you'll check out the other genres and i think a lot of times when we're reading stories or watching movies sometimes you know you're in the mood for you know it's family night you want a little bit of comedy right but there are those times when it's like oh i want a little something a little bit spooky right so we kind of have all these cross sections covered right and it's kind of closer to i don't want to say old school comics but I remember back in the days when when superheroes didn't define our entire genre, you know, you had like Westerns, you had romance, you know, and you had superheroes. And, you know, nowadays it's essentially the industry is built on superheroes, but we're just looking to, to diversify and be more additive to how the comic book industry is right now, right. To, to sort of fill in certain gaps that, that are missing from the market and tell these stories within these um, specific genres. Right. And it's really, a, and you know, when we say family odysseys, we don't mean it's like, hey, that this is a rated G book and it's only for five year olds. It's a book for, you know, it's the way, you know, approaching Super Sons and the way Francis and I talked about, you know, the book. I mean, this the book is for, you know, eight years old to 80 years old. It's for everybody. It's, it's the kind of thing where, you know, 
you can watch a Bugs Bunny cartoon when you're a certain age and laugh at certain points. But then at another age, you're picking up all this other stuff, all these different yeah. layers. And that's what we're trying to do. You know, we think the family odyssey stuff layered properly is is in all ages, is an all ages kind of thing. And that's what we're really proud of that, you know, we can just kind of tell stories that, you know, everybody can get into and, you know, know that, these different genres are out there, like Francis just talked about, you know, growing up with war, Western, horror, romance, superheroes. It's nice to have a company that, you know, we're not going to really zero in at all on superheroes right now in, in any way, shape or form. And so it's it's really interesting to just do these pure genre pieces and and have people come to them Um and and like Francis said earlier, you know, you're in certain moods. And I think when you I think when you pick up one or two of the books from the company, you'll see that how high the quality is and of the storytelling and the characters. And I think it'll just literally translate. You'll be like, you know, you'll be, it's like early Marvel, you know, like, hey, I like this Spidey character. Whoa, this FF is good. Hey, this stores. And all of a sudden you're you're immersing yourself. You know, there you are in Asgard. Then you're on New York City. There you are. in you know, in. um in uh, Berlin with Sergeant Rock and, you know, whatever you're in all these different places. And suddenly you're, you're immersed in a universe that you just enjoy being in. And it's just because of the characters, you know? Yeah. You know, just speaking back off of what, what Pete said, right. I, I think, you know, there's this misconception that when you say family books is that we're talking G rated kind of, um, you know, Paw Patrol type stuff, but you know, a lot of us grew up on on 80s movies, right? And when you think about movies back then, the family movies were not too family, but they weren't too adults. You know, when you think of the movies like like Goonies or um, uh, Back to the Future, right? Like those those kind of movies and stories can kind of be enjoyed by everybody across the board, right? And, you know, even something like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, right? There's, there's all sorts of, of stories that, that I feel is getting lost these days specifically because I think we start leaning into one thing, right? Like everyone's trying to be shocking and there's this shock factor with a lot of the stories and you kind of lose fact that at, at face value, once you get over certain things, because sometimes it's, it's, it's very daring. It, it feels like it's, you're, you're being a very cavalier creator when you're, when you're doing something so in your face and, and edgy and R rated, right? And what's kind of lost in the mix are are those stories that are like, you know, like the Goonies or something like that, right? Something that can be enjoyed by by everybody. And it, it kind of reminds Yeah, dude, exactly. It kind of reminds me of do you guys remember uh when Humberto Ramos did out there? You know, I thought that mm -hmm. was so cool. It had that that perfect vibe. And so it's it's more along those lines, right? So it's it's something that um, you know, we're working hard. In, in telling a story that you can enjoy and your kids can enjoy. Right. And, and I think that was one of the things that I was telling Pete. I'm like, you know, let's, let's tell a story that, you know, I can't shield from my kids because, you know, she's not, they're not old enough to read them yet. You know, I, I want to be able to share my work and have them enjoy it or not enjoy it. But I just want them to, to I, I want to give them the opportunity. I want everybody to have the opportunity to read and enjoy these stories. So. Yeah. And I think that's really important when you're building a brand too, that there, there is a door for that, that group of people, right? Especially, you know, I'm a father of four and, and having that ability to be able to have something that you can share 
actually I'm older now, so I'm about to have grandkids, but uh, you could at least oh, wow. share with your grandchildren, right? And, yeah. and know that it's going to be okay for them at an age appropriate. But like you said, something that we could all enjoy at the same time, um, because there will be other titles that are probably more mature within Ghost Machine. And so what is that one book that could hook yeah. them and get them ready for those other titles when they're yeah. of age, right? Well, family stories also have levels, right? So you could read the Rockefellers as, as a 10-year-old and completely come away with a different feeling. And you as a father could read it and come away with a completely different context, right? And I think in, in that regard, I think the, the stories that Pete and I are, are, are crafting together is something that can be read multiple times. You know, as, as a comic book fan, you know, we've all read some books multiple times. You know, I've read a book when I was a teenager and I've read it you know, in my 30s and 40s, and then you realize this is a completely different context, right? It, it, it changes the, the experience. And I think, you know, a, a family the, like the Rockefellers gives us the opportunity to, you know, grab onto you as a reader from multiple levels and multiple generations at different points in, in, in your life. And I think that's what's key with us doing a long run is to give you a nice, giant, amount of volumes that you can enjoy as, as a kid and then come back later on and, and say, wow, you know, so I, it, you know, now that I'm a father, I totally get Roland now, but you know, 15 years ago, I was all about the, the hijinks that Richie was doing in high school. Right. It's, it's completely different layers. Right. Yeah. yeah. Can you, can you talk to, because I mean, so Pete, you've been an editor, obviously a writer for a very long time. Um, Francis, one of the best artists in the world, also a writer, creator, both of you. Can you talk about how important it is? And I bring this up because, Francis, you made a point a little while ago of how important it is to work with people that you enjoy being around. Can you talk about how important it is as the artist and, and writer, but an artist and a writer and how important that relationship is? Because I could tell you as a reader, when you read a comic book, you could tell when there's a, a writer and an artist kind of aren't jiving doesn't mean there's anything they just maybe don't know each other and you know I, I think you know where i'm going but how important it is that you both have this kind of collaboration to be able to tell that story that way as a reader right it just flows it's fluid and uh, everything that you're trying to express comes forth um yeah i mean look i think it's 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 kind of weird it's like you know i know of books i mean having been in the business like 35 years now and i've known you know known a lot of writers and artists over the time and and there are times when they don't even talk ever. And and look, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, there's times that they've produced solid books, good yeah. books. Um, so that exists too. But I think but I think something special comes out of it when a writer and artist are simpatico, when they're talking, when they're sharing, when they're arguing, and you know, really just kind of, you know, giving a back and forth. And I think that kind of, you know, immersement you know, between uh, two creative partners is, you know, definitely ups the material to another level, you know? So I think it's, it's, I think it, it definitely makes a difference, but I, but I think there are other levels, I think, cause I mean, there are so many people in the business with it. I mean, there are guys who don't even speak English, you know, who are fantastic artists and they're getting scripts from guys they don't talk to, but then are translated by a middleman and still they've been able to produce, you know, really good work. So, you know, I think it's just uh it's different levels of of uh of, of of storytelling that, you know, can be really good or can be really great. And I think obviously, like you know, Francis mentioned, 
you know, when you're when you're when you're in tune and you're you're finding all cylinders together. And and I think really, you know, boiling it down to being storytellers together, um, you know, instead of kind of putting everybody in boxes. I mean, it's like, you know, it's a really, you know, collaborative process. It's uh, when you make it that way, I think it, it the product shines even more. Yeah. yeah. And as, as Pete said, you know, the thing is that we're, we're all professionals, right? So, you know, I've, I've worked on scripts with writers whom I've literally never spoken to. Right. And, you know, I'd like to think that both of us did our jobs, right. And, and the books were, were fine and they're good, you know, but, you know, there's something to be said about collaboration and getting along, right. Like as, as creatives, you know, Imagine that you're hopping on a plane from from Toronto to LA, right? It's roughly about a four hour flight, right? We're both heading the same direction. And the person beside me could be a complete stranger, but we both have the same goal. Goal, we're going to LA. But if I was sitting with somebody who's a friend, that flight is a lot more enjoyable because then we can chit chat or this or that, right? And specifically, if it's somebody that you really get along with, that flight went from you know, this, uh, I'm trapped in this thing to a very enjoyable experience, right? And more than likely, as you land in LA, you're like, oh, dude, you know, because the entire flight, you've been talking about what we're going to eat, you know, or what are we going to check out, right? And, and that's what it's like when you're with a collaborator that you get along with personally, right? Because typically, you know, there there are different levels of, of synchronicity, right? And my, my favorite kind is, is is working with people whom I can work with all day and then go grab a beer with afterwards, right? Because there are certain times where, I, okay, I'm done work, see you later, right? Mm -hmm. It's five o'clock, I'm out, right? But there are certain people who, whom you, the conversation doesn't stop because there's so much to dig and it's it's a fun environment, right? And the the results, I believe, give off, as Pete said, something special, right? It's like, it's like a team that's playing during the regular season and they're playing just fine. They're doing their job. But when the playoffs come, you know, there's, there's that little extra magic, right? Everyone gets a little bit grittier. Everyone, you know, dives on the ground. And I think when you're, when you're working with somebody that you're close to, you feel that extra sense of, oh man, you know, dude, I got your back. If you go left, I go right, you know, and, and, and eventually you work together long enough. I won't even have to say, Hey man, I'm going to go right, cover my left. As soon as I go this way, you go that way, right? And it's it's very much a, a a cohesive, you know, not to get too much into sports. Once you get into the playmaking thing, you know what I mean? You you understand each other's ticks and you don't you don't have to call out plays. You just look at them in the eye and you see their pivot foot moving one way and you kind of know which way to go, right? Yeah, it's intuitive. It's all and it just it's like great. It's like really good filmmakers. Some of those guys who they, they use the same crew, the mm -hmm. Eastwoods, the John Fords, the Scorsese. They use these these same crews because then they don't have that. They read each other's thoughts. They know already yeah. where to go, what to do, and they save all that time. And at the same time, they can you know finish each other's sentences. And you know I can start to make a reference, and I'll already know. But all of a sudden, Francis will come up and know exactly where I was going with something. And it you know so it's it's yeah it's it's it, it's great. Being special is definitely better than just being good. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all relate to that, right? <laughs> now, now, both of you worked at DC, one of the top, you know, the biggest, largest um, publishers in comics. What do you think as you 
um, move forward in Ghost Machine that you could take from that experience and add to Ghost Machine to make it even better. Um, or, or on the other side too, like things maybe you want to stay away from that, a big conglomerate like a DC that's owned by the WB that you don't want to bring over because you want to stay nimble and those type of things. I think you, you hit it right on that. You, you, you pretty much answered it perfectly, actually. It's, it's, you know, all the years as an editor, you know, there's so much, there's so much stuff that I have that I can, that I've, that I have, that I've offered, you know, in ghost machine, um, in discussions that are not just the creative parts of it, but just the business angles and all that kind of stuff. And so there's all that having been with a company behind the desk for so long and, and have that inroads and insight. And, uh, and then exactly what you said, it's then, then, you know, about, I mean, DC changed a lot from when I started. So, you know, 92 and 93, it, it, the corporatization got heavier and heavier, obviously as time went on and more chefs in the kitchen, you know, VP uh, manifest mastheads that went from like four people to like 30 people and it got crazier and crazier. And as you know, now when you look at the mastheads, you've seen them have <laughs> now dramatically shrunk, but uh, you know, the, the corporatization of it here is that's the great thing about ghost machine. Like, so, you know, now, you know, what's, what are the good things and what are the bad things? And when you're informed, you know, knowledge is power and you can really make better decisions, you know, based on experience and history and, 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 you know, history is, is always key. It's people don't like to, you know, think about history sometimes, but history informs the present all the time. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, our, our time at DC, you know, Pete and I have hung out through multiple creative summits, right? And, you know, recently having gone into the world of creator-owned books, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's funny how much I actually miss those corporate getaways, you know, yeah. or not getaways, but those, those corporate uh, summits or retreats, right? Like, dude, you're literally trapped in a hotel for like four or five days, right? And you're trying to crack the, the DC universe and trying to to pitch different stories and figuring out what the direction is for the company. And, you know, it's funny because I, I think of those times quite fondly. There are times where Pete and I would just be sitting in the bar complaining about this or complaining about that. That's just the nature of things. Cause like, can you believe we got to do this? That's insane. That's wrong. But you know, what's funny is that that's, that's part of it, right? Like, you know, when you're working in anything creative, sometimes these, these challenges you complain at first, but once you figure out how to work within the box, that that challenge becomes fuel for 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 creativity right and what's been great with ghost machine is that you know when we had a, a mini summit in new york before the the comic con i got that vibe again you know that was something that you know when you go into to create your own comic books you typically stick as as a single unit with just the team right you know but when we got to hang out with everybody and kind of look at the overall picture of, of the company it it gave me those vibes so something that i didn't know i i missed as much as i did right and the the great thing about having worked for dc is you begin to understand the machinations both from the creative end and you kind of get a little bit of a glimpse in in some of the corporate stuff right and what's been really exciting about ghost machine is that we're we're there from the creative end and we're also there at the corporate stuff and what's been a lot of fun is that you know not having to go through marketing or approval or whether we can do this or whether we can do that and i, I love the marketing team at dc they're 
fantastic. And it's, it's interesting because now, you know, getting into different aspects of the business, it's like, oh man, those, those are pretty fun jobs. You know what I mean? Like even just, you know, figuring out, are, are we going to post this? Oh, wait a second. We, we don't need to ask for permission. We can just, we can just do it. You know, you want to make a little video, go for it. There's, there's no, you know, there's, there's really, sky's really the limit uh, creatively. And, and you really get a true sense of, of the creative freedom that, that you have. But at the same time, you think back on those DC days and you kind of temper yourself as well and not, okay, let's not get too crazy. Cause you know, we, we still need to uh, yeah. play by a certain set of rules, right? Now, both of your experiences at DC, do you both walk away from that experience feeling like you accomplished everything that you could at DC? Or is there something in the back of your mind? Like if I had a chance, I would like to do this one thing at DC um, before my like DC time frame ended. Not that it's ended, right? There, maybe there's still oh, yeah. an opportunity, but still. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think for me, after being there for so long, I think I touched almost every character in some way, shape or form. Um, I think as a writer, I would I would I definitely would have loved to have done the war because the I tried so many times to pitch projects as an editor, uh, which never saw the light of day because they just didn't sell. They just didn't um, war and Western stuff was were big staples of my my childhood comic stuff, because um, I thought in the end. Um, you know, there are a lot of great artists on those books. Um, and people are discovering that now, just how uh, the quality of those um, are, are sometimes surpasses a lot of times, actually surpasses the superhero stuff. Um, but uh, I would have loved to have done a nice run on some some Western characters at DC and some war characters for 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 you know a year or two. That would have been fun, but uh, but otherwise, you know, I think I touched every character that I wanted to and. You know, not to say it's not going to happen anymore, but I kind of really feel that the days of people getting a chance like I did to do 40, 50 issues in a row <laughs> are are few and far between now. So uh, it's great to have all these omnibuses and know that, you know, I, I wrote all of it. You know, it's uh, it, it you know, you, you get a chance to make a run like that. And now all I think about is, you know, how cool it would be, you know, for me and Francis to have like two or three big Rockefeller omnibuses, you know, that'd be awesome and have a breadth of of time and history on these characters that, you know, we can really just, you know, just really just show so much great, you know, stories and character development through. And uh, yeah, it's uh. Yeah, it's one of those things. But I mean, being at DC was great. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I I have no, I don't look back, I don't look back in anger or or in any of that kind of stuff. It's I, it was great. I loved every day going to work, and I've told people that I used to, I never, you know, that was a job. I woke up every day going, I couldn't wait to get into work because it was always fun. Sure, there was always some craziness or political machinations, but the job. Every day was always a great job. And yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I've dug ditches and I've cleaned toilets, so I know good <laughs> jobs. <laughs> yeah, dude, I I I love my time at DC. You know that that to me is as corporate as it is. I think there there's a family vibe there. You know, it's it's where I I feel the most comfortable, and you know, being a Flash fan that was my one goal and I got to do it. 
um, both with Jeff Johns and with Brian Bucciolato. So that was that was a lot of fun, you know, and then getting to um, write and, and draw Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. That was the, the cherry on top. Right. Is Were there things that I wanted to, to do there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there were, you know, certain things were very close. You know, there, there were there's certain projects there that that feel like the the Moby Dick of of creatively that we're trying to pursue. But I mean, that's how it always is. You know, there are there are certain times when, um, you know, as, as much as you want to do something there there's certain things that don't quite line up properly right and you know with with ghost machine the opportunity to be additive to the history of, of comic books in a different scale was was extremely appealing right because you know when when you work for for dc or marvel you're just shepherding these characters that have stood the test of time and for that you know maybe three years four or five years you get to be the person telling that character's story and you get to be the 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 tour guide in that universe right and ultimately somebody else will come along and, and tell a different story and and so on and so forth so in in a way it feels like you've added to that quilt right you have that little patch and you get to say that little corner there is mine right but the opportunity with ghost machine is to say this entire tapestry this entire quilt this is ours you know, and we're we're the ones starting it, and anybody else that can come afterwards helps build on top of something that we helped create, right? It's it's probably look, I've never built a house with my own two hands, but I feel like you know working at Ghost Machine is probably the closest I will feel doing that, right? There's there's a certain sense of accomplishment, right? Like sure, you can move in somewhere right away, and you're you're good to go. And there's there's that feeling of like, yeah, you know, I'm able to afford this 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 place. But when you build it yourself and you get to see where it goes, it's there's something very satisfying about it. Right. And, you know, and again, it's just it's just trying to be additive to to the history of comic books rather than be a momentary shepherd of, of a specific time. Right. Leaving characters and, and 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 the legacy of these characters behind that will outlive us right because dc and, and marvel characters they'll be there for a long time and and at, at some point we will be forgotten but the Rockefellers is something that pete and i's name will always be attached to forever and that's something that that is very valuable to us you know yeah and i think as a fan of your work at dc and a lot of people probably feel the same way that's why there's so much excitement i think around ghost machine is bringing that same pride and joy that you had in the characters that you uh wrote for and drew for at dc to ghost machine like expectations are so high because we know what that standard already looks like so i i could tell you as a fan i'm, I'm so excited about everything that's happening at ghost machine just because of the all-star group that's been brought together I know what quality is and that's quality. And I can only imagine when all these titles start to be pumped out, um, the excitement around them has got to be huge just because of the creators that are behind it. So I think that's awesome. And, and, and Pete, if it's okay, you have another title that you're working on at ghost machine as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's called a uh, Hornsby and halo. Yeah. I'm working on uh with Peter Snayberg on that. Um, Peter and I had, had done um light brigade uh for dc many many moons ago and um also um uh part of the mighty um that we did 
and also, but I had hired even Peter before that uh, to do a big chunk of the Starman run um, back in the day too, and some JSA stuff. So I've always been a big fan of his um, and uh, really loving to work with him again. So uh, yeah, Hornsby and Halo is a, is really a kind of a cool book um, that um, I guess when people look at, I, I almost want to save it. I don't want to talk about it too much. Like I want people <laughs> to like, I almost want to see people see, see ghost machine number one. Yeah. They'll get a real nice flavor from it from there. And then I'd like to talk about it some more, but I think uh, it's, it's a really fun book and Peter's uh Peter's another great collaborator. So it's uh it's one of those um just another team that I'm just so happy to be a part of. And it's and we've got uh we've got some really great character stuff coming up with Hornsby and Halo and and it's gonna be a it's gonna be a, I'm gonna be in a really nice mind space working with Francis and Peter uh Snayberg on this. I'm really looking forward to to being uh in that gear with these with these specific characters right now. So yeah. That's incredible. I mean, the amount of titles that um, Ghost Machine is bringing forth to, like you said, the diversity of these titles and how many of these titles are coming out is also very exciting. Um, and I, I think as a, a fan, you know, being able to have that consistency in these stories month to month is really important. The, the one question I wanted to ask is really around Image Comics and that partnership between Ghost Machine and Image. You know, Image has always stood for that creator-owned and with Ghost Machine um, coming forth and choosing Image as the publisher, I think that's been very important for the, the message that Ghost Machine stands for moving forth um, with the, the creator owned. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that partnership and how important it is to the overall brand of Ghost Machine? Yeah, look, Im Image is what got me into comics, man. Like, like the the height of the image boom i remember reading these articles and just being so excited about it you know these guys were were off to do something nuts you know and and it was like come 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 tag along right and you know i i think partnering with with image as as a fan and symbolically what they represent is is incredible it's an absolute honor to be a part of it right and in a lot of ways, it's a little bit like coming home for me because I got my my first big break at Top Cow, which was part of Image, right? So it's it's <laughs> nice to be back there. And I think a lot of it as well is that aside from what it means to us as as fans and, and creators and what Image represents, there's also a practicality to it, right? You know, when you're creating a brand new comic book company, you know, because this is, you know, creator owned and creator run, you know, there's certain aspects of the business that tends to take away from the, the creative aspect, right? So if, if we were to, you know, figure out how to publish it our, our, ourselves, there's certain machinations of the business that, that would take up a lot of our time. But Image has, is, is a very well-oiled machine and, you know, their, their ability to allow us to operate like you know completely on our own but then have this system that's already geared for for receiving the books and, and putting them in print and, and getting into the stores it it almost makes no sense to to start something from scratch when there's this environment that allows us to focus on the creativity of the books the creativity of the marketing of our books and 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 kind of going diving more into getting these 
titles uh, and, and bring more eyeballs to it, right? So that way we're not splitting our time between, oh, what kind of paper is this? You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying, right? So th there are a lot of practical reasons, but also a lot of very symbolic and, and fan-like reasons, you know? So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to be working with Image. I think it's, um, you know, it's just, like I said, there's there's something really nice yeah. about it. So. Yeah, they represent something really special, and and Eric and his crew are great. Yeah, and uh, you know, then you know, with Lunar distributing too, it's uh, we've got a real great bunch of partners, and and also too, and behind Ghost Machine, you know, who you're not going to see a lot on these podcasts. You know, we've got we've got an amazing infrastructure of people um that are are, are helping us get this stuff done and, and out there. You know, with you know, with Kat Kleiner and we've got um Brian Cunningham and Mike Cotton and Corey Salter. I mean, there's just um there's just some so many great people that are are, are behind the scenes making a lot of this stuff, you know, happen and, and get it realized and move it from the inbox to the outbox. So it's uh yeah, we've got a great crew, a great bunch of people. So uh real great support system. Yeah, yeah. And and it comes through too. And I think that also adds to the excitement. So, you know, just kind of to wrap things up, right? January 24th, um, we have Ghost Machine, which is going to be absolutely incredible. A little bit of everything. So we're going to be able to taste this uh this new world that's being created through Ghost Machine for the first time as fans, a little bit of everything, which is really excited. Um, and then we get into Geiger, Red Coat. And the Rook, um, Exodus, which will start April 3rd. Um, and then after that, right, some of these other tiles will start to flow. Um, yeah. And then eventually we'll get to Rockefellers, which I'm really excited about, right? Yeah, yeah. It'll be all these different phases. And they'll and we'll, and we'll hit, you know, different genres will come out at different times. And, uh, and just eventually encompass the entire world and yeah. everything. <laughs> but, uh, I love uh, it. We've got a lot of great stuff coming. So I think... Uh, I, I think the readers and the retailers are going to be really surprised and, and happy with the, with the content and the quality of everything. So, and then thanks and to, it, and thanks to ringing the bell for us too, with yeah. these podcasts. We're really, we really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate your enthusiasm, Tommy. And I, I think what's kind of exciting is that, you know, uh, enthusiasm is contagious, right? And, you know, I, I think the, the fans and, 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 and you guys, uh, I think you can feel our excitement, right? You know, and it's 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 starting to to spread. You know, and we're we're pumped to get everybody on board and and get everybody as excited as we are. And and, and in a lot of ways, I feel like you, the the feedback has already been pretty amazing. So it's uh, th thank you to everybody that's that's given this chance. So yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, all of the listeners, if you could please go to Ghost Machine Pro, you could follow Ghost Machine. Pro on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Um, that would be absolutely amazing. Um, make sure that you're following, because that's where a lot of uh, the information is being released on a timely manner. That way you're up to date with everything that's coming so you don't miss it. Obviously, you want to go to your local comic book store like I did and make sure that anything Ghost Machine related is added to your pull list. That way you're, you're, you put that responsibility onto your LCS and they can make sure that all of that's coming. But uh, gentlemen, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Such an honor as a fan who have been reading um, your work and, and looking at your work and enjoying your work for so many years to be able to talk to you. Um, I, I cannot wait for all these titles to come forth, but I just want to say thank you 
um, appreciate you uh, um, allowing me Thank to you. have this uh, moment with you. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, thank you. yeah, and it's great. I mean, thanks for and thanks for wearing that billboard on you. Yes, absolutely. I, I genuinely am very excited. So yeah, we've got a great store there for people who want hats and shirts and yeah. coffee cups and everything else like that. So it's uh yeah, we've we're really proud of everything that's being produced. It's all high quality stuff. So uh yeah, we're we're really jazz. And again, thanks, Tommy, for uh for having us on today. We appreciate it. Oh, and hey, anybody up in Toronto. Me and Francis are going to be at two stores. Nice. Uh, what are they? I forgot. What are they again, Francis? I forgot. Uh, so on Wednesday, we'll be at the store that I used to go to when I was a kid, uh, Scarborough Comic Book Room. I literally used to ride my bike there. And we'll also be heading up to Can Canadian Comic Bin, which is north of Toronto, a couple hours. It's going to be a nice drive, Pete. You and I are going to be there for a couple hours, buddy. The GTA, yeah. huh? That's that's right. And then um, Jason Fabok and I will be signing on Saturday at Captain Comics. And honestly, if you go follow GhostMachinePro.com, we are signing everywhere. And, you know, it'd be awesome if, if you guys bought some 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 sweet sweaters and, and, and T-shirts, you know, keep you nice and warm. So that way, when you arrive at the signing, you're you're all ready and decked out. You know, it's imagine that you're going to a sporting event. There and you, you throw on that jersey, you know, you throw in that that ghost machine shirt, you're ready to rock. We'll know that uh we'll know that you're one of the real ones, you know, you're day ones, right? So yeah. Awesome. And, oh awesome. yeah, and then also um yeah, coming up, I forgot we're all we're all gonna be at Megacon. Yeah, uh February first through the fourth. So uh that's good. I mean, the whole team is gonna be at, at, at Megacon in Orlando. So if you're down in Florida, or you're, or you're thinking about being down there, the whole Ghost Machine team is going to be down there and signing Ghost Machine number ones and 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 getting some. As you can see, I'm wearing a scarf. I'm looking forward to uh to getting into some Florida sun. So uh, hopefully, uh, it'll I think be it's like down. 70 degrees there right now. So that's that'll be nice. Excellent, excellent. So yeah, there you go. So we'll see everybody soon on the road. So looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, again, thank you so much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And until next time, wish you all the very best. And I will be reading Ghost Machine on January 24th. I can't wait. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Take it easy. Same here. Yeah. You too.